Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. It, it is New Year's Eve. Thank you for getting up early on New Year's <laughs> Eve. Uh, let's have a little fun and look ahead. Mm. We know the obvious things to look for in 2024. Uh, one thing that, Kate, that we thought was, uh, was noteworthy was the, the president, your former boss, was on his way back from vacation this morning, and he was asked what his New Year's resolution was, and he said, to be back next year. <laughs> well, we, we well. love a New Year's resolution we can keep, right? That's, well, the best resolutions are the one you, ones you can keep. Uh, look, it is absolutely going to be a, a rocky and challenging and close campaign. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I certainly don't think anybody in the Biden operation has any doubt about that. It's going to be a, a challenging campaign. But, you know, I do think it is true that voters really have not dialed in in the way that they're going to over the coming 10 months into, as we get into the summer and then, of course, into the fall. So there's an enormous amount of opportunity for the president and his team to chart a course for this race that puts it on ground that is, is beneficial to him. And, and I think that's what he's going to do. only have a couple more seconds. I don't, uh, I don't bet on politicians, only horses. I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> I, I have to say, I have to say this, this one, the, 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 the president's not looking too good in the barn. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know oh, if I bet on it or not. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Um, that was. <laughs> And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 2nd of January here of our lore 2023. And that's anti-Israeli uh, or pro-Palestine. What the fuck you want to say? Fucking shitheads fucking up July or July. <laughs> New Year's Eve down in uh, New York, which I don't know if any of you watched that. Good God in heaven. I didn't even know anybody was on there. I feel really old when I watch that because I don't know who these artists are. I just, I don't know who they are. And then, of course, the conservative finally getting in and getting some freaking hay against the liberal people on CNN. Don't know why I'm talking that way. So today we're doing a couple things about New Year's. We're going to catch a couple items that I missed on last podcast covering in 2023. A quick section of generalized politics and then we're going to do a tic-tac paddywhack thing uh well, we got any trump today yeah we're gonna just cover a quick trump it's not a whole lot i mean yeah and then tiktok will call it a day got a bunch of comments about the new podcast old dude reviews i actually got compliments to the fop podcast email that kind of freaked me out that was neat 
Um, so I'm going to keep doing that as a separate one. I hope you guys enjoy it. But today is politics. So we're going to start with the damning the Florida dictator. And then you'll have a pause. And we'll go straight into another one that is the praising and protecting of Joe Biden. God, this stuff's good. Just the best of the best. We can't talk about Jacksonville without talking about the political environment around black people and particularly around black history in Florida. There is a reason Governor DeSantis was booed when he did the right thing by going to the community, but the community booed him for a reason. His so-called anti-woke legislation, what's happening with the teaching of black history in in, uh, Florida public schools, that sends a message not only to the black community that the governor does not think much of you or your history or your contributions to this country, but it also sends a signal to those people, deranged or not, who believe that black people are inferior and therefore are worthy of extermination. If the governor doesn't want to be booed, he needs to do better, not just in terms of his rhetoric, but also in terms of his... Look what Rick DeSantis has done in Florida. He was known as sort of a nondescript uh, political leader, member of Congress. Suddenly, he really has tried to turn himself into sort of a local Mussolini in Florida with the book banding and the brutal tactics. We have to call this what this is. This is fascism and authoritarianism that goes even beyond what Trump has talked about. That's what he thinks is going to work in that party. And in a way, that's the scariest thing of all. The NAACP has issued a travel advisory for Florida. It says the state is, quote, openly hostile toward African-Americans, people of color, and LGBTQ plus individuals due to a series of measures recently signed by Governor Ron DeSantis. Well, I keep thinking about the black people that live there. I actually have two sisters that live yeah. in Florida. What this, what this means for people who live there or people of color who are planning to go to Florida, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's very I, I, unsettling Ron, to me on I, many levels. Yeah. But I think the discussion about the threat of authoritarianism can sometimes feel almost a little remote or academic. That word has a certain kind of historical timbre to it. We associate the term with like stern historical figures like Stalin or Mussolini. And that can make it hard to look at Mr. Pudding Fingers yucking it up on the campaign trail in Iowa and see an authoritarian. But Ron DeSantis really is running on an authoritarian agenda. The policies he has enacted in Florida are the opposite of freedom. Basically what he's done is this kind of Orwellian plot to censor what is being taught in the classrooms through the passage of various legislation. Kids can't read books in classrooms because teachers are so scared they could get slapped with a felony for running afoul of these new standards. Ron DeSantis has been insanely effective in passing this legislation, creating a climate of fear, and ultimately undermining a lot of the social and cultural progress that this country has seen in the last 15 and 20 years. We can't talk about Jacksonville without talking about the political environment around black people, and particularly around black history in Florida. There is a reason Governor DeSantis was booed 
when he did the right thing by going to the community, but the community booed him for a reason. His so-called anti-woke legislation, what's happening with the teaching of black history in, in uh, Florida public schools, that sends a message not only to the black community that the governor does not think much of you or your history or your contributions to this country, but it also sends... I'm feeling great. That was a wonderful speech. Uh, he was, didn't you think he was sort of Mr. Smooth? This guy has been in national politics for 50 years. You don't, don't always see the result of that, but you sure saw it tonight. He was elegant. He was civilized. He was conciliatory. He was reasonable. And, and maybe most of all, he, was, he, he sounded like a centrist, which is exactly mm -hmm. where he wants to be. And after this performance tonight, and I don't know if everyone stayed on to listen to Governor Huckabee Sanders, but after Joe Biden's speech, which was quite mild and almost lovable with a lot of proposals that a lot of people are going to like, Governor Huckabee Sanders goes on and says, in two years, the Democrats have destroyed everything. And, and woke mobs are running all over the country. I'm here in Washington, D.C. I'll, I'll look out the window for you, uh, Stephanie and Ali. I don't see any woke mobs tonight. I just don't know what speech she was listening to. And I wonder if that speech probably was written before she had any idea what the president was going to say. So if the president is, as reported, going to spend the next number of days going around the country and talking about his State of the Union and his proposals, it would be great for him if he got Marjorie Taylor Greene and Governor Huckabee Sanders to be in the audience and do the heckling and talk about de Democrats destroying everything. It's going to only make uh, Joe Uh, read a line from David Ignatius today in the Washington Post. Biden delivering on his most far-fetched pledge, compromise. President Biden this week accomplished what America elected him to do, govern from the center and make deals that solve problems. So can he make centrism compromise sexy? If, yeah. if people want to focus on him falling on a sandbag or falling off of a bike, that's fine. Mm -hmm. but, but while they're talking about that, Joe Biden's making, you know, Europe safe for democracy. Yeah, every anybody who's spent any time with Joe Biden uh, in the in the since he's been in the Oval Office knows that the reality is nothing like the 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 dystopian picture that the Republicans are trying to paint of of this senile doddering uh, president and, and he's as sharp as attack. This was a president who was ready to be in the arena. He was feeding off of the energy that he was getting back from the crowd in that room. Democrats can use this far right wing of the Republican Party, this kind of MAGA crew, to paint a picture for the American people of what they, it's a very stark contrast, right, that people get to choose between. And bonus, Biden comes across as someone who's enjoying himself uh, and who has the energy uh, to be in this job for another, you know, until he's well into his 80s. It's not just President Biden who's on the ballot and being judged. It's really the entire constitutional order. President Biden is a kind of stand-in for the American system.
This is the big stage, the world stage, and with everything at stake on two separate fronts, two wars, Ukraine and Israel literally putting everything on the line for the rest of the world, for global security. What I want a, a man who's got, who's straight A student in his 40s or 50s out there, what I want someone with 40, 50 years experience on the world stage, that includes decades of wins and losses, politically and geopolitically. And and I can't think of somebody else I'd want out. You name them. Well, somebody name uh, uh, a better at this mm -hmm. point, right. more mature mind uh, that can attack these problems and address them with all the different levels of emotion that need to come to the moment. And, right. and he does it. I'm feeling great. That was a wonderful speech. Uh, he was, didn't you think he was sort of Mr. Smooth? He was elegant. He was civilized. He was conciliatory. He was reasonable. And, and maybe most of all, he, was, he, he sounded like a senator. You know, the Joe Biden stuff, I mean, they have to know in their heart they're not good. And, you know, Beshloss, that guy, what a fucking douche. But there was a bunch of runner-ups. That one we got was uh, a CNN one, but that was John King. We had Morning Joe, Joe Har Scarborough. Some NATO leaders have told me they were surprised at contrast between image and public and the Joe Biden behind closed doors. CNN Chief National Affair, Case Casey Hunt. This was a president who was ready to be in the arena. And then John Meacham, of course, who writes fucking speeches for him. It's not just President Biden who's at the ballot being judged. It's really the entire constitutional order. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. Then we get into uh, The View, and this is a different one than the last one. This is the nine most anti-American. One, I want outside countries to step in and take over the U.S. border. Whoopee again. We spy on them, so they spy on us about the Chinese balloon. Sonny Hostin, U.S. is worse than China despite genocide. Uh, Hostin, she's oppressed, wants books censored. Uh, the View wants Fox prosecuted. The View bashes radicalized service members, who we covered that, that the whole, they shouldn't be able to watch Fox News. This is The View wants America to live with less like prison. The View demands illegals in New York City be resettled elsewhere. The View decries thought of Trump deserving a fair trial wants him exiled. So this even has that piece of shit Beto O'Rourke on it. Um, um, it it's, 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 fucking, it's fucking horrible. And then I'm going to throw in the malicious lies because, you know, you got to have... Um, yeah, I just itched my nose, sorry. Um, the malicious lies of these fucking tards. And I shouldn't say tards because that's wrong. The View blames GOP gun lapel pins for causing kids to die. The View claims the GOP makes a lot of money off children's death. The power-hungry GOP only win elections by cheating. After 2020. Yeah, sure. Disney. The View unloads insane lies and hate on DeSantis. ABC News. The View claims fascist DeSantis plans to ban the alphabet. Behar claims GOP want to ban the Holocaust. Hostin claims Jin Jordan is a terrorist. President Biden, brilliant, masterful lies about GOP at SCOTUS and our State of the Union. 
No evidence of Hunter corruption except Burisma Chinese. So he's going to throw it all in a pot. This is the view. They fucking suck. Is happiness something that can be learned, do you yes. think? And why are the Finns so freaking happy? The Finns are very happy. My <laughs> friend married a Finn, so I've been there many, many times, and everybody <coughs> seems happy. I thought it was weird. I thought it was like a little Stepford wife-ish, right? Because, like, I live in New York, and I'm from the Bronx. And no one's like, happy here. You know, no one's happy. You're like, good morning. <laughs> yeah, good morning. But they have time off of work is very plentiful. Mm -hmm. They get 30 vacation days a year. Health care coverage is free and guaranteed. Right. It's like a year for maternity leave. And they have... Uh, an end of life care. They, they have end include. of life care. Mm -hmm. They're considered one of the least corrupt countries in the world. And they care about immigrants. The social security system tries its best to help immigrants get into the system. And so all those life stresses that we worry about, like how am I going to pay for my kid's right. school? How am I going to pay for mm -hmm. my house? How am I going to do this? They don't have it. They're just hanging out. This is from a, a Finn. We're just satisfied with very little, mm. yep. says this person. Mm. We don't have to have extremely successful careers. We don't have to have a ton of money. We like the simple things in life, like our forest walks. Not Nature. No. Nature. <laughs> Too many ticks. She hasn't left. And, the hang and hanging out with friends. Very yes. important. Yes. So that's why they're happy, the too. Thing is nice they're not too. greedy in this country. They don't have this constant, I've got to get more. I think the key there is what you said. They talk a lot about being one with nature, but it's also about having less. I think specifically yeah. in this country, being the wealthiest country on the globe, that despite the poverty that we still experience, it's an, a country of excess. That's right. And that's Very, a bucket you're yeah. filling with a hole in it. It will never be Keeping enough. Keeping up with the Joneses, they it's call It's never that. enough money, yeah. never enough power. It, and that's why monks, who are like the happiest, they've sometimes served time in prisons where due to meditation they survived and they yeah. were at peace and they were uh, I was watching that Bill Barr interview one thing that got me is that our legal system probably for, I mean for good reason but always protects the defendant over everyone else and in this instance what bothers me is don't we think we should know everything about this trial before someone goes to a voting booth right. to vote for the president of the United States and and Bill Barr was saying last night you know really the the, the system leans towards making sure he has a fair trial yeah and that just blew my mind because I don't know how you can let people go to a voting booth it's, when you're literally but you under heard Ellie Honig yesterday was here yeah. who's a, a great pundit and yeah. a lawyer I believe he yeah. is too. Yeah. he said that he didn't think they, that this would happen this uh, him going to jail or whatever until after the election well, so, which does not help the situation he, he, the jail he, he thinks there can be conviction um, but not necessarily being in jail is already well maybe they should well, put him in a room uh, with just uh, us <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who would no, break I, first you know what what about making a deal what about Sonny if he, make, he makes a deal with, with, with Smith without jail time with, and without jail he says look I'm going away I'm moving to Saudi Arabia <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? Just go away. We don't. I don't even care if he goes to jail. I don't have it in my heart to punish I the think guy. There are I just want him to go away and stop ruining my if, country. If he, if, I think there are That's certain it. prosecutors that would offer him a plea agreement without time if he would agree to never. Some Democrats would advise him to stay clear from the border and immigration. But he ran on this issue in 2020. He differentiated himself from Donald Trump, and he won that election. I think he has an extraordinary chance to do the same right now, but he must act, and he must act today. People's lives are literally on the line. I'm, Beto, it's whoop. I'm hoping that Amnesty International and all these groups that are outside of us who are watching 
are going to step in also because we are very quick to step in when other countries are not doing the right thing. I want someone to step, I want outside countries to step in and say, hey, listen, we, we listen when you're talking to us. You, we're telling you now this doesn't work for the world. Yeah. Is that part of your hope as well? I believe President Biden is a good man. He's been a good president for this country. I believe he wants to do the right thing. But Whoopi, to your point, sometimes great presidents need a little push from the people. You know, LBJ told Dr. Martin Luther King that he wanted to move forward on the Voting Rights Act, but he just didn't have the political power to get it done. So Dr. King and Andrew Young and John Lewis and Septima Clark and all these great civil rights leaders literally gave him the power. Eight days after the march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, Johnson was able to convene a joint session of Congress. And by the summer of 65, he signed the Voting Rights Act into law. We need a moment like that from this president. And so I think the burden, the onus is on all of us to step up and put that pressure, give that power to President Biden and help him to act. So wherever that comes from, and I hope it comes from within the US, let's make sure that we give the president the power to do the right. These issues of conflict of interest and, and playing off his name and the Biden family name will be investigated uh, by, by Congress, uh, by Republicans in Congress. Um, and the issue is not going away. But doesn't this show, Carl, that Biden is not in the pocket of the DOJ? I mean, yes. Yeah, and again, it depends yeah. on. So, so how do you look at it? Do you look at it and you say, look, they prosecuted anyway. His son now has a criminal record. Yes, that shows uh, that, that it would seem to show there was no interference. He didn't pull the plug on the investigation. Uh -huh. He didn't order his attorney general right. to pull the plug on the investigation. But what Republicans will say is that this didn't look at the bigger, more serious allegations about whether or not. I mean, the Republicans have made lots of major allegations against Biden, against President Biden. Uh, you know, they, they call it the Biden crime family. They claim they've, you know, traded off their name, that they've, uh, they, 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 they've gotten money from foreign entities uh, illegally. None of that's been proven. There's no evidence of that. But they're going to continue those investigations so and make a, those allegations. So on a scale of one to uh, Jared taking $2 billion from the Saudis, how does this look? Look, I, I, I don't, you know, want to compare it with with what Jared Kushner has done, but but there there are significant concerns about Hunter Biden's business dealings. You know, he has the, the contract that he had with with the Ukrainian energy company, also his business dealings in China. I mean, one of the details that we reported earlier they were looking into that's just so strange. Uh, he was given Hunter Biden was given a 2.8 carat diamond uh, from a a Chinese business. Associate. I mean, what, what, what's it all about? We, we don't know. Uh, again, it's not a $2 billion deal with the Saudis. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And Republicans, there, there's no shortage of hypocrisy uh, coming from the Republicans who are willing to give Donald Trump a pass on everything that's come out, right. uh, but are, you know, yelling and screaming. So considering that everybody, including Taylor Swift now, which really hurts my feelings, that she's going political, but what are you going to do about it? Um, you know, they all love Democrats, and they don't see past the fact that they believe that the majority of the country believes what the left believes, which is not true. Um, but they do, so they go with stuff. You know, we got to cover the freakouts of the year. So the winner, of course, is uh, Jane Fonda. So we're going to play it, and then we're going to talk about the other people that just said horrible shit. 
we have experienced many decades now of having agency over our body, of being able to determine when and how many children to have. We know what that feels like. We know what that's done for our lives. We're not going back. I don't care what the laws are. We're not going back. Yeah. Well, uh, the women will rise up. That's the activist. That's Jane speaking, yeah. and, and, and and she probably will get a Nobel Prize. But it's the truth. Very, very soon. It, it is the truth. But We're I, not going to do it. Besides, besides marching and, and protesting, what else do you suggest? Well, well it doesn't happen murder. overnight. It's not a miraculous... <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> murder. <laughs> She's kidding. Wait a second. She's just now, kidding. Don't say that. That's oh, not... you don't know. They'll pick up on that and yeah, just run with it. Yeah, that's the worst. She's Joking. just kidding. It's... Well, let me talk to you about... <laughs> Let's move on and talk about Jane's activism. <laughs> okay, so th that was the winner. Here comes the uh, runner-ups. So there's something really scary. Mike Johnson, he's a Republican Party new head chief over there in the House. This came out. He was talking to a prayer group. He said, depraved American deserves God wrath. Sounds like something Hitler would say. Get the fuck out of here. Rob Reiner, if you vote for anyone but Joe Biden, you're voting to destroy America. Roy Wood, I ain't reading that one again. He's a dickhead. Singer Jill Scott rewriting the lyrics to National Anthem, which he performed it at the Essence Festival. We're not doing that. It's about slavery. And then Stephen Colbert, a new Wall Street Journal poll, said that the hypothetical GOP primary matchup to Santos beats the former president 52-38. Yay. Also, maybe boo. Because, yeah, of course, everybody's garbage. Then we get into just the downright garbage cursing conservative. There are so many people in this. It's hard to hit them all. But we're going to start with Eli Mistal. And the runner-up is uh, Beschloss again. He's in here because he's a douche nozzle. K-Parts there. Lawrence O'Donnell's there. There's a lot of them. But this Eli Mistal guy, he's a fucking work of art. Just a work of fucking art. People, all the media people, especially all the generally kind of mainstream media people, especially who tend to act like Roberts is some kind of moderate good guy influence on the Supreme Court. Make no mistake. John Roberts has been an enemy of black people voting for his entire legal career. Indeed, his first job after he finished clerking was to work for the Reagan White House, arguing against an expansion to the Voting Rights Act that was initially that was eventually pushed through, um, that was conceived of by uh, the late Lonnie Guineer, that was so popular that even Ronald Reagan had to sign that expansion of the Voting Rights Act. Um, the Voting Rights Act was you uh, was confirmed under George W. Bush by a voice vote. These are bedrock American principles that even Republicans agree with, but not John Roberts. John Roberts has been our enemy on voting rights for his entire life. I'm feeling great. That was a wonderful speech. Uh, he was, didn't you think he was sort of Mr. Smooth? This guy has been in national politics for 50 years. You know, don't always see the result of that, but you sure saw it tonight. He was elegant, he was civilized, he was conciliatory, he was reasonable. And, and maybe most of all, 
he was he, he sounded like a centrist, which is exactly mm -hmm. where he wants to be. And after this performance tonight, and I don't know if everyone stayed on to listen to Governor Huckabee Sanders, but after Joe Biden's speech, which was quite mild and almost lovable with a lot of proposals that a lot of people are going to like, Governor Huckabee Sanders goes on and says, in two years, the Democrats have destroyed everything. And, and woke mobs are running all over the country. I'm here in Washington, D.C. I'll, I'll look out the window for you, uh, Stephanie and Ali. I don't see any woke mobs tonight. I just don't know what speech she was listening to. And I wonder if that speech probably was written before she had any idea what the president was going to say. So if the president is, as reported, going to spend the next number of days going around the country and talking about his State of the Union and his proposals, it would be great for him if he got Marjorie Taylor Greene and Governor Huckabee Sanders to be in the audience and do the heckling and talk about de Democrats destroying everything. It's going to only... Man, these motherfuckers. These motherfuckers. Um, let's keep rolling. We're going to play... Um, David Brooks slams Maine for taking Trump off the ballot. A CNBC whines about tech companies ending woke DEI. This is all going to be basically anti-First Amendment. Atlantic taking over PBS wrote Trump panic issues. Uh, Raskin threatening Justice Thomas. Uh, we have uh, CBS reporter protection of free speech. Prevents censorship, and that's more important. It's the theme, man. They keep fucking going down this road. I think I got everything on there, Raskins. Yeah, it's a lot, man. These are a lot of sound bites. Sorry. This is just this week, and we need to win an election. So to win an election, we're going to stifle free speech. Absolutely. And we know in the immediate term, the Biden administration has been concerned about what this will mean for our politics on the campaign trail, the use of deep fakes or misleading voters. What are the companies doing to prevent that? You know, the social media companies are telling me that they're throwing every re resource that they have to stop misinformation and disinformation. But the reality is that this is a sprawling, endless game of whack-a-mole. Bad information spreads constantly online, and it is continuing to be very hard to stop, especially with the arguments and protections of free speech. Now, Meta, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, says it removes manipulated media and voter interference misinformation. And the company does utilize fact-checking organizations and beyond. But the reality here is that taking down all of this bad information has always been an impossible task on platforms of that size. And of course, we cannot forget about X, formerly Twitter. Elon Musk and his team have basically allowed the return of conspiracy theorists like Alex Jones. And they've also dramatically reduced the size of their trust and safety team, Margaret now is the author of that piece on CNBC.com, Jennifer Elias, who reports on technology out in the West Coast. Jennifer, thank you very much for being here. Can you take us through what exactly is the cut, why exactly the cuts are happening the way that they are right now, and just how big in scope could they be? 
Right, Dom. So what we have found is that tech companies, including many of the FANG companies that we know, made large commitments to um, underrepresented talent and third-party organizations in 2020 amid the George Floyd uh, murder. What we found this year is that um, a lot of them have uh, downsized some of their commitments. They have cut DEI orgs, which means things like, you know, people who are in charge of uh, recruiting and retaining underrepresented talent, uh, cutting people in those positions, and then as well as backing down from some of their sponsorship and participation in some larger tech conferences that help increase this representation in the tech industry. Um, and so it's sort of been across the board in many different DEI respectives at these companies. And the reason they're giving is um, generally cost cutting. Uh, and a lot of them are sort of telling organizations and sources that we spoke to um, that it's a measure of cost cutting and that they don't know when they'll get their budget back. But some have told us that they've cut their budget by as much as 90 percent um, that was designated for DEI uh, initiatives and for um, increasing representation in the tech industry, which is important because that ultimately uh, determines how um, products will be made at these companies and what kinds of users will be taken into account. Now, Jennifer, 90% is steep. I mean, that, that's a massive amount of budget to cut for anybody, whether it's DEI or any other unit. This all comes at a time, though, when we keep hearing about many of these tech companies and some of their enterprise business customers increasing their spending on things like artificial intelligence. So how exactly does that click reconcile or does it not? with the spending in AI versus spending in DEI. Right. Well, that's that's part of the the reasons that these companies and executives are actually giving um, some of these organizations. They're saying that DEI doesn't necessarily contribute to the bottom line and yet they're going and investing a lot into AI, which, um, you know, a lot of investors and shareholders are expecting. Um, however, that this is a problem that a lot of organizations told me and sources told me because you know as it speeds it's if it's slowing down on you know increasing representation and retaining the people that are so important to making these products um, for all different people of all different backgrounds um, they're also speeding up at the same time doubling tripling down on this technology artificial intelligence which we saw hit breakneck speed this year so those two you know uh, increase in AI decrease in DEI um, you know history tells us that products you know we've seen Google and Meta for example if it's um, some of its image recognition technology um, in identifying black people, for, for example. So, um, you know, it, it's not, it's, it's, it's very discouraging for a lot of these organizations. And um, uh, yeah, so, so they're looking at it as that. All right. Three of the sitting justices were appointed by Donald Trump. And in addition to that, Justice Clarence Thomas's wife, Ginny, texted with Mark Meadows about the 2020 election in the lead up to January 6th, as you will know. Should any of the justices recuse themselves if they take this up? Well, um, finally, the Supreme Court has developed what they're describing as a code of ethics. It's not binding in the sense that they're not going to anyone else. They could have gone to, for example, circuit court justices. You, you could have had state Supreme Court justices on a panel. But so they're, they're deciding for themselves, again, whether they're in violation of their code of ethics. But I think anybody looking at this in any kind of dispassionate, reasonable way would say if your wife was involved in 
the big lie in claiming that Donald Trump had actually won the presidential election, had been agitating for that and participating in the events leading up to January 6th, that you shouldn't be participating. So in, he should recuse himself. That's he should. Oh, he absolutely should recuse himself. The question is, what do we do? So as we've just reported, Maine has joined Colorado as the second state to ban Donald Trump from its presidential primary ballot under a constitutional provision that prevents insurrectionists from holding office. David, what's your assessment of this decision by Maine's Secretary of State? Yeah, I thought Colorado was pretty terrible, and I think this is an even worse threat to democracy. Some random Democratic politician throwing the Republican frontrunner off the ballot uh, for a tr crime, as you said in one of your questions, which he's not even been convicted of, he hasn't even been charged with. Uh, the pro process should always be voters decide, voters decide. It should be that doubly when we have an entire democratic system is under a crisis of authority and people don't trust it. They think the game is rigged. If suddenly you have random people throwing people off the ballot, they're going to think, oh, the game really is rigged. And then, if you have one Democrat throwing a candidate off the ballot in Maine, do you really think some Republicans aren't going to start throwing people off the ballot somewhere else? Uh, it's just, I just thought it was a terrible decision. Uh, and one that confirms every story that Donald Trump tells, which is those liberal elites are out to get you. And suddenly, I don't know if she's a liberal elite, but somebody's out to, somebody's out to silence your voice. Jonathan, what about that, 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 that argument that this is election interference of a different sort? <laughs> My gosh, David. Um, um, I, I don't buy it. Um, the idea that this is, you know, a cabal of liberal elites attacking democracy, going after Donald Trump, is ridiculous. One, because these these challenges are being brought by Republicans. The, there are Republicans who are trying to keep Donald Trump off the Republican primary ballot. That is definitely the case in Colorado, and the same people who brought that case are involved in all the other cases. The other thing is, you know, these aren't random. The, the main Secretary of State is not some random uh, official. This is someone who didn't just make up this, this decision out of whole cloth. She had a hearing a week ago, an eight-hour-long hearing, where she, you know, had all sorts of briefs, all sorts of testimony, and you know, she came to her decision. Three of the sitting justices were appointed by Donald Trump. And in addition to that, Justice Clarence Thomas's wife, Ginny, texted with Mark Meadows about the 2020 election in the lead up to January 6th, as you will know. Should any of the justices recuse themselves if they take this up? Well, um, finally, the Supreme Court has developed what they're describing as a code of ethics. It's not binding in the sense that they're not going to anyone else. They could have gone to, for example, circuit court justices. You, you could have had state Supreme Court justices on a panel. But so they're, they're deciding for themselves, again, whether they're in violation of their code of ethics. But I think anybody looking at this in any kind of dispassionate, reasonable way would say if your wife was involved in the big lie and claiming that Donald Trump had actually won the presidential election, had been agitating for that and participating in the events leading up to January 6th, that you shouldn't be participating So in, he should recuse himself. He should, oh, he absolutely should recuse himself. The question is, what do we do if he doesn't recuse mm -hmm. himself? Adrian, I want to ask you a journalism question. Uh, and the journalism question is one that, that we've struggled with on this show uh, in the Atlantic, all across the, the, the media, which is uh, there's a portion of the country, a large portion of the country, that we believe isn't completely tethered to 
reality and fact-based discourse. Obviously, the leader of that group, Donald Trump, is someone who who lies freely and and often and and ostentatiously. I, but I don't want to act as if the quote-unquote mainstream media is anything close to perfect. It's an imperfect union. It's an <laughs> imperfect media. Uh, what? How did we get to the place where all of this amazing reporting over the last eight years by, by The Atlantic, by everyone from The New York Times and The Washington Post to the networks, to CNN, et cetera, uh, how did it come to pass that uh, this reporting, unrefuted reporting, didn't affect the way millions and millions of people see him? And what does it say about us and what does it say about those people who feel left behind? Man, what the fuck? The fuck is wrong with these people? I watched this live and I wasn't going to cover it, but I'm going to cover it because it. Man. Dude, I want you to take off your political blinders. If you're new to the show, once again, not a mega, not a conservative, but I'm not a Democrat. I'm not anything. I, I just hate the media and I fought for free speech. And we just don't, oh God, we just don't understand that this isn't free speech anymore. Um, What we're doing is not free speech. It's something, but it ain't free speech. This guy is not healthy. I mean, he's just not a healthy person. He is a geriatric that has major, major problems. And we, for some reason, keep facilitating that major problem by not noticing that he he's not well, man. The dude is not there. The, the, tell me if Trump looked like this or sounded like this, the world as we know it would not be on fire. As you look back and reflect on 2023, what sort of of memories, highlights stand out for you? Well, one of the big highlights stands out for me is my dad used to have an expression. He'd say, Joey, a job's about a lot more than the paycheck. It's about your dignity. It's about respect. So many people through the Midwest and, and in the center of the country, their, their factories are shipped overseas the last couple of times out, and, and they were losing hope and faith. So we brought a lot of jobs back to the United States. People are in a position to be able to make a living now, and uh, they've created a lot of jobs, over 14 million. And uh, I guess when I'm, I, I just feel good that the American people got up. They've been through a rough time with pandemic, but now we're coming back. They're back. I don't want to be mean, but that was not a good look, right? It, it just wasn't a good look. He he didn't look healthy. He. he he looked like they'd propped him up, like he'd taken some fucking drugs and shit. It's very fucking weird. So, we have some um, memes. I guess boomers for Biden was a trending topic. Um, the first one, boomer for Biden. I guess I'll have to read it over here. I don't give a damn about men transitioning to women. I'm much more concerned with Republicans who are transitioning to Nazis. Then there was Tuesday, November 5th, be there. 
people took it over. I'm a boomer for buying. Can you say the same? Keep it going. Buying 2024. Eee. There's one that says, I'm glad that Joe Biden is my president. I'm not going to show the video. And in case anyone's wondering, yes, I'm a boomer for Biden. I'm a boomer for Biden. Need to save Social Security and Medicare for all those who live on their own, investing in the black box. For Diaper Don to take it away is a crime. My sweet husband, my 93-year-old mom, and all my boomer friends. I'm a boomer for Biden. Anyone, regardless of who they were born, who loves American democracy and knows history, but should be. Stop the mega madness. Yeah. Hmm. Then on New Year's, this came out, which I thought was, you know, it's NBC for fuck's sake. Of course, they're going to fucking do it. They're just NBC. A new study outlines how white people's migration during and after the Civil War bolstered white supremacy and institutional racism in non-slave states, contributing to the vast racial disparity that exists today nationwide. Frog of shame. If the frog of shame gets more likes than the original tweet, then your tweet really sucks. It got a lot of likes. Here's for a huge ratio. I see this getting ratio badly, but it's really as important to understand that the Democrat slaveholders fled the South to the North and West. And that was the deal. It wasn't the Northern states. It was the Southern states because they didn't want to live next to black people because they were fucking racist. And they became Democrats, you fucking dumbasses. Come on. Come on. You got to be smarter than that. You got to be smarter than that. I, I don't understand why you would do this stuff and be so fucking stupid. So fucking stupid. Then we have the border. I'm going to start with uh, red states busing migrants has worked politically because CNN covered it as it's a bad thing, but we'll talk about it. And then just the media at all, they just, you know, I don't think they understand how fucking stupid they look about this migration stuff. It, it's not a winning policy for the Dems. It, it is the antithesis of a winning policy. It's just not smart because Democrat states are all of a sudden realizing, holy fuck, we have once again, and, and I'm going to do it while we're live, we're doing the fucking thing live. More, it's the 13th highest state is what we've let in this country under Biden. Look, let's just sort of put in context the politics of this for President Biden and how important it is. Just one example from a, a Monmouth approval rating poll uh, question. You look at the, the issues and how he fares, infrastructure, jobs, climate change, inflation, immigration, he is down 26%. That is not good. 
It's not good at all. And I think that part of the trip yesterday to Mexico by senior Biden administration officials was obviously to have these diplomatic conversations, but also to make the broader administration's point that this is a regional issue that requires regional cooperation and sort of trying to blunt the criticism from Republicans that you're hearing over and over saying that these were Biden's border policy that's causing these numbers at the border. But that certainly doesn't change the fact that he's under considerable political pressure over immigration and that his administration is probably preparing to make some significant compromises on immigration next month. Pressure because of the situation at the border, pressure because Republicans are trying as much as they can to, uh, to blame Biden and his policies. But it's also big city mayors, Democratic mayors in big cities. Let's listen to some of them. We cannot continue to do the federal government's job. We have spoken to FEMA and other federal officials who have expressed concern about the border's surge, but not offered additional help. Without significant intervention from the federal government, this mission will not be sustained. Denver finds itself right now at ground zero in trying to resolve and respond to the migrant crisis. We need more federal support uh, to be able to manage this amount of inflow. Yeah, I, I mean, th that right there is the problem that Joe Biden has, right, in a nutshell, um, because it is no longer, you know, for a long time, this conversation was these, you know, red state mayors are, and governors are being alarmist and you know we have to be that we have to focus on the humanitarian issue here obviously um, the u.s has a humanitarian responsibility to you know it's written to the law into our asylum laws but this crisis has gotten worse not better um and it, frankly the strategy that these red state governors have had of sending a lot of these migrants up to blue states has worked from yep. a political perspective um and it is very very hard for these cities to absorb them um, and, you know, the, the Biden team, I think, knows that or they wouldn't be willing to make these concessions in, in these policy negotiations that they're having with Capitol Hill. I mean, the cynical political way of looking at it might be to say, well, maybe Republicans don't want to let them do it because they prefer this continue to be a problem for them uh, in the 2024 oh, election. Oh, how that, cynical. I know. <laughs> the mayor's office says more than 7,000 asylum seekers have arrived in New York City in just the past two weeks. Other major cities also grappling with the surge, including big city leaders from Chicago and Denver, calling for federal support to help manage the flow, accusing Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott of cruel and inhumane politics as he buses migrants across the country. The state of Texas has a responsibility to connect with municipalities around the country to help address and to deal with... Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with Mexico's president yesterday. Christina Ruffini has more from Washington. Christina, good morning. Let me ask you, are there any signs of progress? Good morning, Vlad. Well, following the meeting, a senior administration official said progress is being made, but that this isn't a problem the U.S. and Mexico can solve on their own, and that most of this meeting focused on work the two can do in the region together. Migrant crossings are multiplying at the southern border, reaching record levels. How to address it was why the secretaries of state and Homeland Security traveled to Mexico Wednesday for more than two hours of talks with President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. The Biden administration wants Mexico to do more to stop migrants before they get to the U.S. And Mexico wants the U.S. to help address root causes, including poverty and violence in Latin American nations.
if Mexico cut off cooperation tomorrow, we'd be, in, we'd be in deep trouble in the United States. John Sandwig is the former acting director of U.S. Immigration and Customs. And I think the U.S. is pitching that this is a regional problem, not just a United States problem, that we need to work together on this and that there are investments that we're prepared to make either in Mexico and in Latin America to help solve this crisis. But more may need to be done as a new caravan of an estimated 8,000 men, women and children are heading north through Mexico to the U.S. We want help, says this mother from Venezuela, and an education for our children. And while border communities are bearing the brunt, the impact of the immigration influx is straining resources across the country. We expect the surge to intensify in the coming days. New York has received about 100,000 migrants in the last year, many of them bused there by Texas Governor Greg Abbott. And yesterday, New York City Mayor Eric Adams joined fellow Democratic mayors from Chicago and Denver to ask Washington for help. The federal government must take responsibility and lead on this humanitarian crisis instead of leaving it for cities and localities to handle. Of course, it's going to be hard for those cities to get the help they say they need because Congress has still not approved border security funding, part of a larger package that's on their desk waiting for them when they come back to work in January. Michelle. Good morning. So this is the Port Authority in Manhattan. This is where these buses are now required to drop off the migrants at specific times with specific notice. But the mayor here and several other leaders of really prominent cities say they need substantial federal help as this problem keeps growing. December's now on track to have the highest number of Border Patrol apprehensions ever, according to Customs and Border Protection data. The agency reporting on average nearly 10,000 apprehensions a day over the last week. And this morning, a trio of mayors from New York City, Chicago, and Denver are all calling for federal support responding to the national immigration crisis. Accusing Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott of cruel and inhumane politics, busing migrants across the country. We're looking at about $160 million of potential costs going to next year's budget. That's almost 10% of our entire city budget. New York City's mayor issuing an executive order requiring advance notice for buses dropping off migrants in the city, now only allowing their arrival weekday mornings between 8.30 and noon. This, as officials Wednesday, shuttled hundreds of people to overcrowded shelters throughout the city. To be clear, this is not stopping people from coming but about ensuring the safety of migrants and making sure they can arrive in a coordinated and orderly way. The mayor's office says more than 7,000 asylum seekers have arrived in New York City in just the last two weeks. Earlier this week, hundreds of asylum seekers were flown to the Northeast, forced to stop in Philadelphia due to bad weather. On Wednesday, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken visiting Mexico, meeting with the president there to discuss the historic levels of migration. A source familiar with the talk says the U.S. is hoping to find ways to convince Mexico to do more, to ramp up immigration enforcement on its side of the border, and discuss incentives to encourage people to stay in Mexico rather than cross into the U.S. The talks come as another large caravan of thousands of people slowly advances north through Mexico headed toward the southern border. The leaders of the group reportedly made up of people fleeing Central America are carrying banners which read Exodus from Poverty. Uh, when it comes to illegal migration, you've seen it come down uh, by more than 90%, and that's because of this act, the actions that this president has taken. He has tools that he's used. When it comes to illegal migration, you've seen it come down by more than 90%. 
Where did that number come from? It was, because I was CDP speaking. is telling us the number is. I hear you. I'm about to answer. I'm about, people more I'm about to answer you. Year so if you, far. if you, if the dramatics could come down just a little bit. I, um, know, if it, the dramatics could come down a little what's bit. What's dramatic about asking a question about. Okay. I'm good. I'm going to answer. So I was speaking to the parolee program. As you know, the president put in place a parolee program to deal with, uh, to deal with certain countries uh, on, on ways that we can limit illegal migration. And we have seen, the data has shown us that it has gone down by more than 90%. That was what I was speaking to. No, I'm, we're, we're gonna go, we're gonna move. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. All right, let's get this done and we're gonna head on into our TikTok Paddywhack, crazy shit. Um, all right, so I I just I got this story. I don't know if I actually grabbed the picture. Th this is horse shit. <clears throat> Binder spend the week at a breachfront villa. We just said Clarence Thomas needs to leave because a rich person gave him a week somewhere. But the president can do it, and nobody seems to care. California is doing this. We're going to get uh, we're at the 63 or 68 billion deficit. They're going to give illegal immigrants free stuff, and and I'm fine. You know, it's your thing to do. I don't really give a fuck. My state, I lose my shit. Um, if I lived there, I'd be pissed off. That's that's a lot of goddamn money. Here is another proof uh, as we end the year of. Biden's DOJ abusing their power to go after conservative parents. They think. But the problem is, it's just parents. I know liberal parents, gay parents, black parents, a bunch of parents. They're, they're done with this brainwashing of their kids. Just over two years ago, the Biden DOJ deployed an infamous memo instructing law enforcement to look into parents who were concerned about what was going on in their school systems, showing up at school board meetings. Since that infamous memo, the Biden DOJ has adamantly denied ever having issued any such directives. Here is A.G. Garland just over two years ago. I did not do that. I did not issue any memorandum directing the investigation of parents who are concerned about their children. New evidence, however, contradicts these statements, contradicts this position out of the DOJ. Joining us now with that evidence is uh, Director of Protect the Public's Trust, Michael Chamberlain. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Your response to Garland's statements there after two years of contradicting everything that we thought they were doing. I think what the Attorney General was saying what could have been, uh, I guess, categorized as very lawyerly because they did, in fact, in the weeks after they issued the memo, which came, as you might remember, on the heels of the National School Boards Association sending out a letter that essentially equated parents protesting at school board meetings to domestic terrorism. And in the weeks after Attorney General Garland issued his memo, the Executive Office of U.S. Attorneys issued their own memo, and that required the 93 attorneys, U.S. Attorney's offices around the country to hold meetings with local officials to work on ways to implement the memo that Attorney General Garland issued earlier. And they, were, they had two weeks to hold the meetings, and they were required to report back 
to the executive office uh, in Washington, D.C. about the meetings and other details about who attended them and, and the topics that they, they discussed. So there was some action to implement it despite denials that by officials at the FBI and other offices within DOJ that they were not focused on this, on implementing the memo. Uh, it's very clear that they were. No, that's, that's certainly clear from what you guys have, been, have uncovered through this FOIA. Uh, what's stunning is just the adamant denial so far that any of this ever happened. By your estimates, you're saying about roughly just under 600 agents were, were instructed, were given these, this instruction to carry out, to meet with U.S. attorneys, meet with these offices to discuss parents showing up at school boards. Well, they sent the memo to the 93 U.S. attorneys' offices around the country. And in the memo, it was required for, they, they mentioned six different levels, the uh, U.S. attorney, the assistant U.S. attorney, and others at each of the offices to address this. So it, it totals, you know, we did the math, and it, it comes out to somewhere between 500 and 600 different officials that were given the directive to work with the FBI and to hold meetings with local law enforcement officials. And one of the topics that they discussed were how they could use federal law to address what they termed the, the threats that may be happening at school board meetings at the time. This was a directive from Washington to the offices all around the country, ordering them to take certain steps to implement the memo. Uh, this was not something that was just uh, didn't seem important to them. It, it appears from the memo and the documents that we've had that it was very important to them at the time. Uh, it appears that since then, since those days, they've, and after some pushback from the public, that they've kind of tried to walk back and, and distance themselves from some of the steps and, and some of the statements that were made. But it's pretty clear that they, not only was the memo issued, but they issued directives and they took action in response and in order to implement the, the Attorney General's memo. Thank you so much, Michael, for the information. We look forward to learning more. Right. Thank you very much, Chanel. It's always a pleasure to be here. And as soon as we find out more, we'd love to come back and share it with you. Yeah, that's not, that's, that's just fucking bad. That's bad. I'm sorry. That's fucking bad. And then we get just literally into the ugly, all right? Um, here is the main Secretary of State who is wearing a shirt about it, the Colorado Secretary of State, and then the legal analyst on CNN. So if the legal analyst on CNN says, you're fucked up, you're fucked up. I thought I had, I'm missing a slide. So I'll get a slide during this, but here's the three and, and then we have one more slide and then we have fun. Is, were the processes, were these hearings fair? Did they comport with due process? And I think there's a question there with regard to what Maine did, because if you look at the hearing and she details this in the, in the ruling, they heard from one fact witness, a law professor. She based her ruling on a lot of documents, but also YouTube clips, news reports, things that would never pass the bar in normal court. She's not a lawyer, by the way. It's a smartly written decision, clearly consulted with lawyers, but this is an unelected. She's chosen by the state legislature. She's elected by the chosen state legislature. By, uh, chosen elected by the legislature, but not democratically elected, not a knock. That's just the way it's set up in Maine. And 
this hearing, look, it doesn't have to be a criminal trial. We don't have to have all the protections. But I think the argument you'll hear from opponents is, one, not up to the states to do this. This is why we have all different decisions from all different states. And two, the procedures were not up to snuff. Well, Jenna also serves as chair of the Democratic Association of Secretaries of States. And Jenna, I do want to get to what is going on in your state. But first, I would like to hear your reaction to what's happening in Maine. What do you make of Secretary Bellow's decision and uh, her reasoning behind it? Thanks for having me on, Stephen. I think in Maine, the Secretary of State makes determinations like this. Uh, by the way, in Colorado, I would also be in the place of making the determination if a lawsuit wasn't filed so early. Uh, but in Maine, I, I think Shanna Bellows made the right decision in agreement with the Colorado Supreme Court. Donald Trump incited an insurrection to try to steal the presidency from the American people. Section three of the 14th Amendment makes it very clear uh, that elected officials can't do that and then serve in office again. And I don't believe there should be some loophole in the Constitution that puts only Donald Trump above the law and Constitution when he incites rebellion uh, or incites an insurrection. Uh, the, the other thing I would say is I, I do think Secretary Bellows is brave and courageous. She is the first individual by herself having to make this decision. Uh, and we are acutely aware of the threat environment that we work in. Uh, so I commend her for her actions, and we'll see how the litigation uh, inevitably plays out in the state of Maine. I qualify Donald Trump for the ballot, but under Maine law, any registered voter can bring a challenge. And that's in fact what happened. There were three challenges. One of those challenges was brought by two former Republican state senators and a former Democratic state senator. And I was required by the law to hold a hearing within five days and then to issue a decision. This is something that I did not choose to do, but that I was obligated to do under Maine law and the Constitution. This is not a criminal matter. And Section 3 of the 14th Amendment uh, does not require a conviction. That definitely makes it a more complex and close question, as I acknowledged in my decision. It was not a close call on the question of whether January 6th, 2021, was an insurrection. You know, once again, if this was reversed, all right, if you tried to use anything like they're doing with the 14th Amendment for a Democrat, it, it would be laughed out of court because it's bullshit. But they spend all their time talking about how conservative courts are all fucked up. It's because it's projection. They are saying what they are doing. They only hire activist judges. That's what they do. That's what the court is made of. That's the Supreme Court was made of. And then they fucked up and got greedy and they didn't make Ruth Bader Ginsburg retire. She should have retired and it would have been a Dem court. But it's not. It's a conservative court. Let's be honest. The only reason I voted for Trump the first time was to stop the leftward lane of the courts. You cannot rig everything under the 14th Amendment. Who's camp? Then there's this. Um, Guy Benson. A single official from opposing parties determined a leading presidential candidate is disqualified for office via a crime for which he hasn't been charged and has thrown him off the ballot. Yep, this isn't about Trump. It's about what 
about how they cross the line so they can justify what comes after Trump. Nikki Haley refused to call Trump an insurrectionist. That's why she's proved aid and comfort according to the 14th Amendment. That's why we cannot place her on the Wisconsin-Michigan swing ballot. Everything that has happened now is not about Donald Trump. It's about the Supreme Court they lost for a generation. If Brett Kavanaugh was assassinated tomorrow, there would be a think piece in the New York Times a week later about why it was necessary to save democracy. And that, my friends, is 100% true. They will justify anything to control power. It's all about power. It's not about what's right or wrong. It's not about the Constitution. It's about their continued power over the American people. And it's it's horseshit. I mean, it's 100% horseshit. It, it wouldn't be right if it was the other way around, but our media and elites and the, you know, the upper 1% of the country... They just go with it because they think it's best is to have a fucking guy who can't even function and eats pudding all day be president out of fear that a conservative will come in and maybe we'll have some other than liberal concepts in our court system, which is ridiculous. We need to balance back out. And yes, Trump is a piece of fucking shit. He's totally a piece of shit. I get it. He shouldn't be president. But it's a system we have, and from what I see as a independent, I'd rather have Trump in presidency where the media is going to do their goddamn job and we're going to know what the fucking government's doing every second than have a Democrat where we just ignore everything. We ignore it because it's a D. We're good. Fuck it. Eight million people have come across the border. It is burdening. It's killing people. It's costing every one of us more money. Democrat states are over it now. But we're just going to keep it up because we like the D in the presidency. Come on, man. If you were a good American right now, if you really cared about this country, like really cared about this country, you know what you do? You would say... All of them need to get the fuck out. We need we need a total change, because basically we are a soup bone as a country. Just a soup bone, man. None of those fuckers are worthy of our votes. So, gonna go in to have a fun session. I got a shitload of TikToks to end the show. Let's get judgy. All right, I just got done doing 30 minutes of TikTok. The goddamn Progan locked out, and it dumped it. So I've grabbed 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 20 videos. That's all we're doing is 20. 20 fucking videos. So we're going to start with this one. Tom Hardy once said, at your very best, you still won't be good enough for the wrong person, but at your absolute worst, you'll still be worth the right person. That's called love. Look it up. It's not that difficult. If you're not dating the right person or married, you'll know it. So find somebody who doesn't give a fuck and loves you unconditionally. These are two rocket chicks. I love them, so I'm going to follow them. I'm not going to go with the whole thing. These came up in my feed. So if you're into music, they're both very attractive, Matt. You should go after that. They're in their 30s. Yeah, this girl's a little freaky. Bring her over for Thanksgiving dinner, bro. 
I mean, I, I'm just going to look. I'm not going to be a perv and shit. Okay, it might be kind of a perv when I'm looking, but you know the deal. Real men sit in their bed at night. I'm going to pause this. No real men do not do this. If real men went and redid every fucking thing they ever did, they never fucking sleep. It's a problem. It's called mid-age crisis. I went through it. And you go through, like, I fucked a lot of shit up, and I wish I could unfuck it, but then you could grow up and realize without fucking shit up, you wouldn't have grown up, and you wouldn't have been ready for all the other shit. Make sense? I know I'm saying that as a chronic fucking depressed person who's in therapy, but you know, Dale. It's only because I got sick. If I wasn't sick, I'd still be that dude you knew in 2016, but oh well. This girl, uh, Oh, wow. Matt, come on, bro. Thanksgiving dinner. Hook your brother up. This is another one that she scares me. That's one of the things I can't stand. I can't stand the side eye. Ever since the Bengals did it, it's so fucking annoying as shit. This one is horrible. If we date... We both gonna deposit $150 in a joint account. The one who gets cheated on walks away with that money. That's the heartbreak insurance fund. What you're telling me is you're gonna cheat. If you thought this, that's a dude thinks that shit up, right? A dude. People that's think shit. being a touring musician is glamorous until this, girl. you have to spend your day off in Italy drinking wine, eating. Pa- I don't know who she is. But that is a lot of best Courtney Love fucking combined with Janis Joplin. All sorts of fucked up. Not interested. Next. I don't care about your social status or look. Just be yourself and be brave. Make the first step. Ask me on a date. Yeah, no. Not interested. The next two are literally IDF soldiers. So I don't know what the soldier's doing over there because... These girls are saying we need some. So, dude, took it up. I know you're Jewish, but you fuck. Hmm. Matt, go to Israel. Grab that one. Never mind. Grab that one. <laughs> this girl's full of shit right here. I don't care what you're that's a pretty girl. That's a pretty southern girl. And she's saying, I'm so confused right now. I texted a guy today and he straight up said he doesn't like blondes. Does that mean I'm really unattractive? You're full of shit. Nobody said that. This scared the shit out of me. I'm glad I'm not single. I'm glad I'm not single in my 20s and 30s. That's all I have to say. You look like a woman. Yes. Why? I am trans. Dude, there's no way in hell I would think that was trans. There's no fucking way. There's no fucking way. I'm into this band, but this is... And I'm wearing the shirt, so I'm not being a fucking hypocrite. I know I wear it all the time. I wash it. Don't worry. I love sleep token, so I, I, I wear two shirts. That's all I wear. This is taking it too far. I'm coming to cut through dark and get down with up like the moon and I'm blocked down. A dangerous disposition somehow reflected in light, reflected in sound. I'm coiled up like a venomous serpent tangled in your cramps and I'm certain you have got your hooks in me. This is the second week in a row with this lady. I'm going to have to do what's best for you even when it feels like shit okay 
I know I talked last one about chronic depression and I'm going to therapy, but you don't see me doing that. I don't put that shit out in the street. I don't want the whole fucking world to know I'm a fucking nut job. Why would you do this? You're not helping anybody. That's not helping anybody. Next. One of the hardest and most unexpected parts of being in a healthy relationship after a toxic one is learning to stop waiting for the other shoe to drop. Because when all you've ever had is love bombing and lies and manipulation, it is so hard to understand and accept that someone would genuinely want to. Now and date that girl. It's taking it too far. Although I I did do one TikTok of a video. I guess I'm this dude was not me though. Want to hear an absolute terrible first date story? Yeah. There wasn't one. So I matched with this guy on Bumble. It is like, he's so handsome, super cute, and silly messages me. Sends me a voice message. He sounds super attractive, very masculine, very confident, definitely my type. So says to me, compliments me, tells me I'm a queen. I like that shit. I like game. Okay. I don't know. I always go for the same type of guys. It's probably why it's not working out. Probably a dude. But I like a game. I like the confidence. But a little game. Anyways, he does not waste no time. He's like, I need to meet the queen. I don't I don't see girls like you on this app. Okay, how many times have you heard that? Um, what I'm sure there's tons of you beauties here trying to find great guys, but literally they're telling all of us the same thing. So... He's like, yeah, I want to take you out. When are you free? I tell him. He's like, awesome. I made reservations. Screenshots the restaurant instantly. Five minutes after I had literally matched with this guy, he had Ooh. dinner reservations ready to take me out. I like that action. Holy I like that initiative. Yeah, that like was really that's sexy initiative. to me. That's called fucking... Even text me on date. Sunday. What the fuck? Says, hey, went to church thinking about you. You crossed my mind. Awesome. Is this a man In of church? God entering my life? Woo! I'm so excited. Then... Today comes, Monday, the day of the date. He texts me this morning, early. Good morning, beautiful. So excited for our date later. Can't wait to see you. Awesome, I'm excited. Then I'm nervous. I literally tell my friends, ah, I shouldn't go. I think I'm gonna cancel. I don't really wanna go. Not sure I should go. Start getting ready three hours before I'm I have really to be there. I'm really emotionally invested in this story. This man cancels. I'm ready. Makeup done. Changed my outfit 500 times. This man cancels on me an hour before oh, that's the fucked date. up. Okay, that's fucked up. That's I've that's already driven up. almost 45 minutes, like... Oh, no. To no. Nashville. No, girl. Fuck him. Wait a minute. And the excuse he used was that his car was still in the shop. It was supposed to be done Sunday, but it was... Okay, that's a fucking dickhead move, man. Especially an hour before a date. That's fucked up. That ain't cool. I'm with her. Sister, preach. God, what is happening to me? I got anyway. addicted to you so easily. Attracted to you in ways that are hard to explain. Every day you're in my head. When night falls and the world quiets, my mind doesn't. It's filled with thoughts of you. I lay awake, wanting to talk to you. You're the last whisper in my consciousness before sleep claims me, and my first thought when I wake. This is how every day goes. I care about you more than you realize, and I appreciate you more than you think. Please tell me every time our eyes meet, you feel what I feel. And tell me that I'm not the only one wide awake right now. That's some good right game now, right there, stuck man. Stuck in a trance of wishing you were here. 
Tell me that I'm not the only one picking up my phone every minute of every night instead of sleeping. Just waiting for you to let me hear your voice and all of your sweet thoughts. Oh, wow. I want only your attention. And with that, I'll find my peace. Hell, I date that dude. <laughs> all right. And then last but not least, this is exactly my life. I'm going to show the vid. And then I'm going to tell the story, because this happened this morning, and I was just like, what the fucking fuck is going on? But yeah. Oh, you want to see something cool? Every no. day. This is what I say. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. So Crunch should just be uh, fucking hookup central, right? Every morning I go there, there's dudes macking on chicks, and there's chicks running around macking on dudes, and I just came in for a fucking workout. That's all I'm there for, but whatevs. And there is this girl, and I got to admit, I am not an attractive man. I never said I was an attractive man. I was at one time. I got a hot chick. She married me, but then, yeah, I got old. So when I say somebody's not attractive, it's not like I'm thinking, oh, I'm hot or whatever. I'm, I'm just saying, not an attractive lady. She's got tats that are really bad all over her body. And I, I think it's very attractive for a woman to be tatted. I, I like tats. Gigi's got tats because I want her to have tats. You know, they're not visible, but I think it's hot when a girl has a sleeve or something. I think it's cute. Anyway. So I see her doing a workout and she's looking at everybody, including my old ass doing a workout and I'm just working out but it's kind of impossible not to notice because she's basically fucking naked like you gotta shave to wear the booty shorts she's wearing and I don't mean your fucking legs I mean she's naked I've seen more of her vagina in this fucking last two months than I've seen my wife's which is a problem but anyway um, I go over to do the last thing and I was doing curls so I did upper body today and I walk for three three miles then I go do this lift and I fucking get the fuck out of there I'm out of there like an hour and 20 minutes the next thing I know I'm curling doing preacher curls and I look over and she is doing this catwalk thing and I don't know what the fuck she's doing because it's a goddamn gym and then I look down and she's wearing seat or like plastic clear glass looking hooker pumps with a fucking Stiletto that you could stab a motherfucker in the melon with and kill him. I mean, it's like razor thin on the bottom. And she's catwalking out and taking a left, and then she turns around and she's filming it. She's got a tripod, she's doing everything. The funny thing is, there's an attractive girl that wears hardly anything, um, young girl, and she's said hello to me a couple times, makes, makes my day because, you know, I'm old and not attractive. So when she says hello, it's kind of like, hey, that's cool because she's really pretty. And she's watching. I'm watching. The whole fucking gym is watching. And she looks up at me. And I look at her like, what the fuck? And she starts laughing. Just starts fucking laughing because my face said it all. Like, what the fuck is she doing? She had the phone like a 12 inches off the ground. And she was flexing her calves and walking out and then taking a left. And then coming back and filming the whole fucking thing. I'm assuming for OnlyFans, that's all I could think, some porn site, she's showing it, it's probably some fetish shit, I don't know. 
I, I don't know. I don't know about feet. I'm not a foot guy. I don't get in. I'm normal. It's booty, you know, vagina, shit like that. I'm just a normal guy. I don't get into the crazy fucking feet and armpits and the weird ass shit people get off on now. I just don't fucking understand it. I mean, just do it normal for God's sake. But that was the funniest thing. I mean, I when I left, the lady said goodbye to me, which made my day. And she figured it out. And she doesn't wear a lot of clothes. I'm saying she, she's pretty skin, you know, we're skimpy on the attire. But even she said, what a fucking whore. And I just thought, what are they doing at a gym? Why are you doing this? Why is it at a gym? Why are you filming it at a gym? I don't understand it. So that's my gym every day. There are women just like that, doing that, just so they can look at their ass. And of course, I'm smart. I've seen enough of those cancel vids on fucking every social media app that he looked at my ass and I was violated. So I just don't look at shit while I'm in there. But it was impossible not to watch this because it was a whole fucking production with lights and the whole fucking thing. I'm waiting for a goddamn music to go in the backgrounds. We're making a music video. Didn't get it. But I'm old, so maybe I'm not supposed to. So let's do a uh, lighter fare. Freedom Tunes, year in review. Welcome, and thank you for joining this year's Freedom Tunes Year in Review. We are gathered on this historic evening historic to honor the best Freedom Tunes videos of this year, where we made history for our first category, Most Racist Freedom Tunes Video of 2023. The nominees are Irish Rioter. Black students doing math. When you're good at math, it hurts the black students' feelings. It does not. I got the answer correct, too. Uh, shut up, cracker. And that one about Jewish people we got too scared to make. And the award goes to all of you. All of you are winners. Yay! Wow, I wouldn't be here without my abortion. I got an abortion for this. I'm so happy. Thank goodness I got an abortion. Yay. Our next category is our most musical moments of the year. Here are the runner-ups. I'm a Barbie girl <laughs> in a Barbie world. Life in plastic. It's fantastic. You can brush my hair, undress me everywhere. Imagination, life is your creation. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. Ah, 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 yeah. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. Ooh, ooh. Oompa, loompa, doo. I've got some brand new pronouns for you. Oompa, loompa, doo. I don't identify with you or she. What do you get when you misgender me? A visit in the night and two broken knees. For challenging my socially exist. Don't make me have to repeat this. Next time I will bring all this. People, let me tell you about my favorite friend. He's the far right extremist who comments on my threads. People, let me tell you about my favorite online all the time asking me to commit crimes he told me that the white race has nowhere left to run and i can't fight a race war without a third hole in my gun cause he's my fed friend yeah he's my fed friend yeah the winner is 
all of you again! Wow, I got an abortion! I'm so glad I got that abortion, wow! If at first you don't succeed, get another abortion! Wow, how historic! Our next category is... Short Animated Skits! Let's see the highlight! What is going on here? Why do you care so much? I sure do love baking for my husband. Stupid this stupid I am not this stupid this is stupid I am smarter than the hot 18 year old we smart gay stupid I, I spent my most valuable years allowing my body to be used because no one ever taught me what love is or how to respect myself and all you can do is make fun of me for it yo sir Donald Trump has massively jumped in the polls with experts saying his arrest backfired for Democrats, only contributing to his trademark bad boy image. I used to hate Trump, but now that he has three baby mamas and a criminal record, I think he's kind of hot. <laughs> Come on, man. He's a bad boy. I break the law all the time. How are you going to get in trouble for paying a hooker? For darn sake, that's what you're supposed to do. Wow, that's great. The pilot was chosen because of their skin color. Hey, I have to pretend to be mad you said that. Uh, no, I'm saying it like it's a good thing. I want to warn everyone on the plane about the good news. This airline has decided to pick its pilots based on diversity. Oh, Wonderful! My child is here! Ah, yeah, I'm so glad to witness history like this! Haha, <laughs> yeah, we really are gonna be history! Whoa, that's so great! I wish the people who built the plane were selected because they were black women! To, to celebrate our new pilot, we're just gonna leave the seatbelt signs on the whole time. Did you hear about the shooting? Yeah, it's insane. People are dying. I don't understand how you could be silent about- Uh-oh. Uh, uh, uh th the shooter wasn't white. What shooter? January 6th. It's a day we're all supposed to cry and pee our pants over. Well, we've gathered the footage and tonight we're going to play it. Hey there, the police let me in. Ah. A peaceful protester. We love when the American people try to have their voice heard. All work and no play makes Jack a dull, dull boy. Uh, I love this guy. <laughs> this is 
deceptively edited. It's a deep fake. That is called a smoke signal. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you know the deal. Take your tops off. This is such bullshit. Are you in there? It's Liz Cheney. Oh, crap. Uh, Liz, we can't come to the door right now because there is an insurrection. Hey, kid, check this out. Hey, what are you doing? Ah, Help! 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 What is going on here? This pervert is trying to... This woman is trying to ban... Books! What? She wants to ban my queer literature! Oh, so we've got a book banner! That's just shameful! You're sick, lady! For telling him he can't show porn to my kid? So much for free speech! How are you siding with this pervert? You can't call people that! You should be in jail! The chickens thing, you will not regret it. They're funny little bastards. Running around making goofy noises and laying eggs. It's fantastic. Now listen, listen. I know. You may be saying, oh, here, here goes Tim again talking about these chickens. But I, I offer you this. You can have chickens with their goofy little faces. All right. Or you could be surrounded by a mob and mercilessly beaten. You choose. And I got to tell you, when I see this story, as much as I'm like, yeah, I feel bad for these people. They had the choice. One latte, please. You think we're gonna give coffee to a gay? <gasps> so you can be gay even faster? No! I cast the out, sodomite! Stop it! I'm not gonna let you show porn to my child! <laughs> no! Yeah! No! <laughs> You turned me straight! (laughs) Me want good thing. Me like good thing. How you pay for good thing? He want bad thing! No! Me no want bad thing! He want bad thing! He want bad thing! No! Me no want bad thing! I'm polyamorous. What's that? Well, you know how awesome it is to be with one beautiful woman? Yeah. Well, imagine if instead you and five other guys shared a fat one. Huh. President Donald Trump has been arrested again. His crime? Caring too much. I identify as a hot woman. So they had to send me to hot women's prison. It's in the Constitution. Wrong. President Trump, if you wanted to be here, you were invited. The sh- panties wouldn't know. Vivek Ramaswamy, more like ch- cheesecake Ramaswamy. He's actually cool though. My name is Ted. Yeah, I'm the guy who writes the op-eds you see all over the internet. I use a lot of different pen names, but it's all me. I guess you could say my job is to ask serious questions about the way the world is. People often ask where my unique perspective comes from. It's hard to say. I guess my mind just works differently than other people's. 
Which of you is a woman who would like to be celebrated on International Women's Day? I am a woman. 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 Question one is, what advice would you give to a patient who's having trouble with a co-worker? And the answers I've got are, communicate your feelings to a co-worker, explore the discomfort with the interaction and find the source, and it's like you're gonna have to plummet into hell and kidnap the dragon of chaos so you can beat him with electrical cords until you're so bloody sorted out that your father finally comes back from the store with the milk he went out to buy 20 years ago, you bedwetting bastard boy. Okay, so I don't love that last answer. Anyone want to tell me why? Because you're a diabolical clown. You may think the 50s was a nice time to live. We're as prosperous as ever. My wife loves me, my children respect me, and I'm able to provide for my family with a single income. But I'm secretly gay! Deep down, I'm so gay! But it's the 50s! I have to be with my wife instead of at a leather bar! No! My husband is strong and masculine. He can easily protect and provide for us all. And the food at the grocery store is delicious and healthy. But I'm gay! I'm secretly gay! I'm so gay! I just want to go be gay at the bathhouse! No! I'm not sat in front of a screen 24-7. And I'm secretly gay! I'm so gay I can't take it anymore! Oh, to hold it in! No one can ever know how gay I am! <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing? Something I should have done a long time ago. All right, children. Time for Drag Queen Story Hour. Welcome, Miss Bobingles. <clears throat> Today we're reading from a book called Leviticus. No! If a man lies with a man, as with a woman... No! Hey, Toots, can I help you with your form? No, I just want to work out. No! Ben Shapiro, he said something quite witty, which was that, well, at home, he's a communist. If you had an ownership over the means of production... Okay, Dad, it's been three weeks since I've last eaten. Is there any way you plan on fulfilling the role of the family patriarch by providing some actual food? Okay, gang, first off, if you ever interrupt me while I'm watching Twitch again, I'm going to send you to the gulag with your baby brother, all right? Gulag gaga, folks. And secondly, the food shortages wouldn't be happening if your mother wasn't hoarding all the extra grain, okay? It's her fault for being a kulak. I would hardly call scraping through our cabinets and finding three extra grains of rice to give our son hoarding food. And that's exactly where you're going to go up against the wall, okay, folks? Okay, if you're actually putting me up against the wall to shoot me, that's just asinine, okay, gang? Honestly, gang, the fact is you've committed grave crimes against the revolutionary state and now I have literally no choice but to shoot you. But first a word from our sponsor. Oh my goodness, just shoot me now. Okay, gang, we had a complaint from your neighbor who says you shot your wife in your backyard. Absolutely typical. Right on cue, the U.S. government comes in to infiltrate and sabotage a functioning communist government. Okay, well, we wouldn't have to destroy your garbage communist government if you weren't executing doctors. My dead wife's a doctor. His dead wife's a doctor. She was a doctor, folks. My dead mom is a doctor. I was able to save myself. I'm a doctor, folks.
What happened? Whoa, hey there, pal. You just pulled the fire alarm. Then which handle is for the door? Kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. My father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be vice president. Er, uh, I've got hairy legs. Corn Pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. The best way to get something done, you if you... If you hold near and dear to you that you, uh, um, like to be able to, well, anyway. True in the Shabba Depression. They're gonna put y'all back in chains. Let make, let me make, let me, me let, let, let no one make a mistake. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. No matter what the cost. Two, ten, twelve, fifteen. Whoop, that banana. It's, uh, it's black. Anyway. Come on, man. 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 The whales, everyone! Yay! 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 Yippee! Yay! The winner is everyone in the audience. All of you had an abortion. Wow! Yay! Yay. I'd like to thank my abortion doctor. Finally, we have best moments from a web review. Here are the picks. Okay, so this is one of ours. This is one of those memes that y'all sent me, thinking that I wanted to do a meme review where I just agreed with memes. But I will say, I like it because <laughs> there's a little dog dressed as a turkey. <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> This is Jay, like, I, I'm so blessed with, I'm so blessed with Turkey Dog. Oh my gosh. This comic is literally the equivalent of, like, if I were to do a comic where the right winger goes, well, I have to go see my cousin who's a socialist this Thanksgiving, and then in the other panel, the socialist is standing in front of a communist flag and goes, Mah. What was that? Sorry, I'm sorry. I was in the middle 
of a joke. Please, no. And you interrupted me. No. I told you not to interrupt me. I went to notification when I'm recording a video. Don't interrupt me. How is Charlie Brown the undiagnosed manic depressive? George Bailey went from wanting to kill himself to having the, the holliest, jolliest time of his life within like a 10 minute span. Oh golly, I sure wanna kill myself. Oh shucks, I hate being alive. When will the pain just end? I wish I was never born, oh golly. And then it's like, oh, it's Christmas, everybody! Oh, Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, everybody! It's the best day of my life! We're giving angels their wings! Oh, oh come on, Mary, we're, we're gonna put an addition on the house! George, what are you doing? No, we're gonna make an addition on the house! We're gonna put an addition on the house! That's gonna be amazing! We're gonna make the house twice as big! George, you have to stop! You're scaring the family! Oh, come on! Take a hammer, help me out! So over here, we've got the clan. We want to kill all black people. And then we have the good guys saying we want civil rights. And we have the centrists saying that they, they are looking for a compromise between killing black people and, and uh, wanting civil rights. Creative. Aha, uh -huh, there you go. Seamus Coughlin, Reddit. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Those of you who saw my last meme review video. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. This is a great meme. This is a really good meme. Oh, oh my gosh. That sucked. You suck. You suck so bad. You're trash, bro. Stop it. Garb. Oh, I'm not stopping. How about you stop sucking? How about get good at something, idiot? You're not gonna take my job. You're never gonna take my job. This is human work, and you're. I'll get better. You are never gonna get better. You are never gonna improve. You know what? My Red Wave video aged worse. Once again, everyone's a winner! Oh, yeah! <laughs> Except for AI web review Seamus. He loses! Ah, I knew I should have gotten that abortion. And our final category of the evening. Videos Why does Seamus always get all the credit? You put so much work into these videos. This is totally unfair. No, it's not. I did everything. No way. Me and Trevor do the backgrounds. Yeah. No, you didn't. Best background artist goes to Seamus. I did that. Thank you. That was me. And best lip syncer goes to Seamus. Yeah. Hey. You know, it's the little parts of the process that people overlook. But lip syncers also have very important abortions to have, so that these videos can get done. The proletariat will no longer be oppressed, capitalist dogs. Oh yeah, I hated those guys. Get rid of them, boom boom. Oh, me too, yeah, I hated them, let's get them. Oh, me three. Thank you, thank all of you for watching. Happy New Year. God bless us each and every one. Wow, wowzers, wowzowee. Thank you for spending 2023 with me. 
That's a little song I wrote for you. If you want more in 2024, go to freedomtunes.com and become a member. You'll get behind the scenes footage, extra cartoons, and a whole... And that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share this with family and friends. Go to Flyover Politic with K on SoundCloud, Rumble 482467, gmail.com if you want to tell me I fucking suck or you'd like to hear something covered on the show. I got dissed like an old freaking pair of shoes by YouTube. They won't let me post shit. So, the video for my new old dude... Music review is at Rumble 5532123. And the audio is just on my Flower Politic. I'm not going to have a separate channel because I have to pay 15 bucks for that channel a month. And I'm not fucking doing it because it's just something I'm doing for fun. Had a great episode on a total review of Super Unknown by Soundgarden on the. Let's see. Uh, I'm shooting. I'm on the wrong side. Everything changed. I put a new monitor in. Uh, the fifth, I'm going to do. Um, the fourth or fifth, I'm going to do a review of A Perfect Circle, Murder Mons. And our next Flyover Politic podcast will be 6th January, Year of Our Lord, 2024. almost fucked that shit up. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. And as always, thank you for listening and take care. Every death is a tragedy, y'all. Seven lives.